Are you ready to lift your life to another level? Your best days are ahead of you, and opportunity is knocking at your door daily. And your time for success in life is now. Welcome to the Ideal Life Podcast. Get ready to empower your dreams and take over your destiny. Now, here is your life coach, author, and motivational speaker, Shane Warren. Hello, everybody. This is Shane Warren, and thank you so much for joining me today on the Ideal Life I'm coming to you as I'm sitting here on the balcony of our lake house overlooking beautiful Center Hill Lake up in the mountains. If you hear a bird chirping or boats running or maybe even a little rain falling, it is a kind of an overcast, uh, rainy fall day, but it's beautiful nonetheless as I'm looking out over this lake. Well, listen, I've got some incredible information, something that's just going to be raw and real today, and it's just going to hit at home for every single person who is listening to this. I don't care if you're a high-level leader or you're just walking through life. You need what I'm going to talk about today. Over the last few weeks, I've been studying a, a book in my Bible called the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, it's no secret that I love the Lord Jesus, and I'm a Christian by faith, and I just think the Bible is an incredible book and has some incredible stories that we can learn as we study the lives of other great men and women who have gone before us and walked through the same struggles and troubles that we have. Well, I've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, I just noticed something over and over again, and it kind of started, I'll be real honest and transparent with you, it kind of started a few weeks ago when I was just sitting in a hotel room, and honestly, I was just struggling. There was something that I was dealing with, and I was just kind of worn out with life itself. So let me just start by asking you a question today. Have you ever felt like just giving up? Now, I'm not talking about just throwing in the towel on what you're doing at work. I'm talking about on throwing in the towel of life. You just feel like giving up. Now, there's going to be a lot of you that say, no, no, I've never felt that. Well, just trust me. There's going to come a time that you're going to feel that way. But for those of us who are honest and real and transparent today, we'll just go ahead and admit it right now. There have been times when we just despaired even of life itself. I think that's common to everybody, especially when we walk through struggles and storms and trials, and we don't know what to do or how to make our way out of it. So I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes. It just kind of happened that that's where my devotional life fell. My time that I spend with the Lord every day it just fell in that book at this time that I was going through it. And I noticed some things that I've read many times, but for whatever reason, it just struck home with me. And I want to talk about them today because today I want to talk to you on the subject of the Solomon syndrome. There is a syndrome that I see out of King Solomon as he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, King Solomon, of course, is the son of King David, and King David is considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest king in all of Israel's history. And Solomon came after him. Solomon, of course, was the, the one that the Bible claims is the wisest man who has ever lived. And so when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you can gain a lot of wisdom from this guy. Solomon also was the guy who, who was able to build the beautiful temple, which is one of the wonders of the world, uh, in the ancient world anyway. And uh, Solomon was a real unique guy. Let me tell you some things you need to know about Solomon. Not only was he supposedly, quote-unquote, the wisest man who ever lived, but Solomon was super rich. In fact, he was wealthy beyond any way of measuring. If, if I were to put today's value on Solomon's riches, you would be astounded at just how wealthy this individual was. 
So he was super rich. Not only was he super rich but in money, but he, he was pretty rich in relationships. I mean, think about this. Solomon had a thousand concubines, a thousand wives. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm a married man, and I have a beautiful wife. I love her dearly. I'll be honest with you, I can barely take care of her and provide for her. I can't imagine trying to provide for a thousand women emotionally, physically, financially. So it makes me really question, honestly, whether Solomon was as wise as the Bible claims he is. Or, you know, there again, maybe Solomon was actually the wisest man who ever lived. Because who can navigate a thousand wives? I mean, you would have to have the wisdom of God. Of course, I'm joking a little bit here, but this is what the Bible says about him. He was extremely wealthy. He had a, a, a lot of relationships that he could draw from. So he didn't want for anything. But the when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, there's this theme that he keeps mentioning over and over again about his life. He keeps saying that life is meaningless. In fact, I want to read just a very short passage to you out of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Listen to this. He says, the sun, or, or he says, one generation passes and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. He said, the sun rises, then the sun goes down. It hastens to a place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south, and then it turns toward the north, and the wind whirls about continually, and it comes again on its circuit. And he said, all rivers run into the sea, and yet the sea is not full, and the place from which the rivers come, they return again, and all things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eyes not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which shall be, for there's nothing new under the sun. And he just makes this statement all through the book. Listen to this, that it just seems like everything that goes on under the sun, that is in this life right now, the nasty now and now, that it's just meaningless. In fact, he opens up in verse number two of chapter one by saying it's meaningless, meaningless. All of life is nothing but just meaningless. And you can almost, as you read Ecclesiastes, feel the depression setting in on King Solomon. Now, I don't know what was going on in his life because he, he definitely wasn't wanting for money or relationships or wisdom, but obviously that wasn't enough to satisfy him. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is actually the wisest man ever lived studying this thing that we call life and all the discouraging times and how he felt life was so meaningless and he's trying to come to a conclusion. Well, how I got in this book is, I, again, it just happened to fall in my devotional time, but I was driving down the road and I was going through, again, some struggles. I just got out of a hotel room, was headed uh, to meet with some people, and I just was fretting over life and I was struggling myself. And then that night I started reading the book. And I said, man, this, this is exactly how I feel. So I started looking through the book of Ecclesiastes to find what is it about life that makes us all at some point and sometimes feel like that life is just meaningless, that it's just useless, that it's a waste of time. I mean, all we do is live and die, and there's just nothing that comes out of it. And I found in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes three characteristics of what I call the Solomon Syndrome. Three characteristics. In other words, there's three things that I see that cause Solomon to look at life and no matter how much money he had, no matter how many relationships he had, uh, no matter how much wisdom he had, he just was discouraged with life. What are those three things? Well, number one was frustration. Obviously, King Solomon was extremely frustrated with his life, which tells me money can't buy you happiness. Relationships can't buy you happiness. Wisdom can't even buy you happiness. So 
All of that just leads to frustration. You can hear it again in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. Oh, life is meaningless, meaningless. It's just a waste of time. Let me just share with you some personal things about my own life. I've found that when I'm frustrated, it's usually because life doesn't seem to be moving in the direction that I want it to move or, or the way that I want it to move or maybe in the timing that I want it to move. And so I just, I just get frustrated, frustrated with people, frustrated with uh, systems, frustrated with things. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, I, no matter where you're listening from right now you've been there before you've bought that t-shirt you've drunk that cup of coffee life just sometimes has a way of driving you nuts doesn't it and it's just frustrating well that's one of the things i think was setting in on solomon he was just frustrated so let me tell you money can't buy you peace people can't buy you peace wisdom can't even buy you peace they're all good they're all necessary in this life but really, inner peace only comes from God and comes from knowing your purpose and what God has created you to be and why you're here on this planet. So he said, first of all, frustration was what led him down this path. Number two, this is going to shock you. The second thing that made Solomon feel depressed about life was just fatigue. He says, man, I'm working myself to death and I'm just tired. I'm, I'm tired of fighting the battles. I'm tired of going through the struggles. Come on. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever just gotten tired, worn out? I mean, there's another place in, the, in Ecclesiastes. He says, man, I had sleepless nights and I just toiled on my bed at night. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just been so tired of life itself? Let me tell you something I've learned. I've learned that faith walks out when fatigue walks in. And believe it or not, one of the most supernatural, one of the most spiritual things you'll ever do in your life is find a place of rest. I'm in this season where I'm getting to enjoy this beautiful lake view right now, and I'm looking at it as I'm talking to you, and I think it's just God's way. You know, for 30 years, I've been pressing and grinding and on the run, and God has given me just a short sabbatical to be able to look out over this lake, enjoy my family a little bit, and get a little bit of rest. I didn't realize how tired I was. I didn't realize how fatigued I was. You know, life is tough, and life can be hard, and life can just suck energy out of you. And one of the most important things you could ever do is just take a sabbatical. Take a day off, one day a week. Find some time to go do something. And I'm not talking about where you just run into the ball fields and run into cheer practices and running to church and run into all these different extracurricular activities because you're still working. I'm talking about find something that you like to do that rejuvenates you, whether it's a long walk in the woods, a hike, or kayaking, or just going somewhere peaceful and sitting in the woods, just find something that gives you some peace so that you can rejuvenate your spirit. And my friend, at night, get you a good night's rest. Find you that time where you can just unplug from the world and go to sleep. Sleep is very, very spiritual. In fact, there's a scripture in the book of Job that talks about when a man sleeps and he enters deep sleep, what scientists call REM sleep, that God seals his instructions and sets his path straight. You know, I believe that when we don't sleep, that many times we will miss opportunities because we don't see them, we don't perceive them, we're not sensitive to them because we haven't been rested enough for our spirit man to have enough energy to take advantage of the opportunities that's coming. So number one, frustration will get you to the place that you feel depressed, you want to throw in the towel. Number two, fatigue. And here's number three, nothing satisfies you. You know, 
I don't know about you, but this world system has a way of always making you want more, more, more. And I've had lots of money. I've had no money. Can I tell you something? It didn't matter how much money I had. It wasn't enough. It didn't matter how much money I didn't have. It wasn't enough. And that's the way life is. That is the way even media portrays life to be, that you need more, more, more. You need a bigger house. You need a better car. You need better clothes. And you're always striving for more, more, more. But the Bible says, with contentment comes great gain. With contentment comes great gain. In other words, you never really can get more in life until you start appreciate and be appreciating rather and being thankful for what God has already put in your hand. Sometimes we just need to sit back and say, you know what? God's been good to me and I'm going to be thankful for what I have. In fact, I believe that Thanksgiving, as we're coming into this season of Thanksgiving, is one of the most important keys that we can have in life to lay out a future of prosperity for us. We need to be thankful for where we are. You see, something about that contentment brings peace. It takes away this drive out of your heart to always push for more, more, more. And it just, honestly, that drive is what brings the fatigue and the frustration. So they, they're like a threefold cord that work together. Frustration, fatigue, and being unfulfilled. Solomon said, this is these things got me to the place that no matter how much money I had, no matter how many relationships I had, no matter how much learning or wisdom I had, I just felt like giving up. And I want to submit to you, that's what makes us want to give up as well. Now, you know, one of the interesting things is there's another person in your Bible that had some pretty hard challenges in life. He's found in the New Testament and his name is the Apostle Paul. He was Saul until he had this incredible encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus knocked him off his high horse, so to speak, and changed his name to the Apostle Paul. And of course, he goes on to become, uh, you know, possibly one of the greatest apostles in the entire New Testament. He writes two thirds of the New Testament. He's an incredible, incredible leader in the early church. One of the things you see about the Apostle Paul is he was no stranger to conflict or trouble or challenges. In fact, when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you ought to go read that, by the way. You see that the Apostle Paul faced some pretty tough things. He says in there that he was beaten one time five times, beaten five times, that three times he was beaten with rods, that he was stoned one time and left for dead, that shipwrecked three times. One time he spent 24 hours in the open ocean floating about wondering if a shark was going to get him or if he was ever going to see dry land. He was robbed. He was persecuted for his faith. He said that he had sleepless nights. He was in peril all the time, not only around enemies, but around some of his so-called friends. He was starving because there were times he didn't have any money to buy food so that he could eat. He was cold. He was exposed to the elements because there were times he didn't have a place to stay. But there's something interesting about the Apostle Paul. He said in that passage that he learned in every state, no matter whether he had a lot or he had a little, he learned how to be content. He learned how to enjoy life. Here's what I believe the Apostle Paul was trying to convey, and I think it's the same thing that Solomon was trying to convey in the book of Ecclesiastes, because when you read the book, he comes to a conclusion at the end of the book. He says, listen, this is what you need to do. You just need to enjoy life. Every moment of life, Because life is short, but not only do you need to enjoy life, you need to live your life with an eternal purpose in mind. 
and in focus. And this is what Paul was talking about as well. He was saying, basically, guys, you're going to be, you're going to have trouble in this life. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have challenges. And you're going to have to walk through some tough stuff. But the only way to do that is be content where you are. Enjoy every moment of life, even the hardships, the good times and the bad times. They're both going to come. But you got to learn to enjoy it because life is short. And then he says, not only enjoy life, but one of the keys to enjoy life is living with an eternal perspective. Because the truth of the matter is that one day you're going to die. I'm going to die. And we're all going to stand before the Creator of our souls, and we're going to have to give an account for ourselves. This is the reason faith in Jesus Christ is really important, because Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died to reconcile you with your Creator. That's the whole purpose of this thing called salvation and Christianity. For me, Christianity is about honoring the God who put me here and trying to fulfill the purpose for which He put me on this planet. And so the Apostle Paul and I think Solomon, both of them going through struggles, both learn the same thing. It's not money that gives you happiness. It's not relationships that gives you happiness. It's not even learning and wisdom that gives you happiness. It's the fact that you need to enjoy the journey of life. And then on the other side of that, you need to keep everything in an eternal perspective. Because when you do, you realize that your God is really big and your world is really small. You say, but hold it, Shane, how do I keep an eternal perspective when things are going so hard for me in the nasty now and now? Well, let me give you four things that I do to stir up my eternal viewpoint. Number one, I pray. I pray. I want to challenge you. Find a quiet place, a quiet time, a place of solitude, and talk to your Creator. Talk to God. Talk to Him about your purpose. Talk to Him about life. Bring to Him all of your challenges. It's not like He doesn't know that you're going through them, but there's something that happens when you as an individual calm down, slow down just enough to bring your problems to your Creator. I believe that when you do that, God gives you wisdom from heaven. He gives you strategies on what to do, and it'll end up ending, it'll end up rather uh, funneling into your eventual success because you need Him to overcome. You see, when, when you start praying, here's what happens to me. When I start praying, my world is so big. I find myself start talking to God oh, about this problem and that problem. Oh, you got to help me with this. And my world is so big and it's so overwhelming. But what happens the more I pray, I find out my world becomes so small and I get this eternal mindset and my God becomes so big. When that happens, the frustration rolls off and the fatigue rolls off and, and, and this lack of contentment is gone. And all of a sudden, I find this fulfillment by simply just taking a little quiet time. For me, I like to go out in the woods or I like to go on long drives or whatever it is, whatever you need to do to get that place where you find your quiet center and you just talk to your Creator. It'll give you an eternal perspective. Number two, not only pray, but find a place to serve, whether it's in your local church or in your community or some nonprofit agency who's doing a good work. Find a place to give a part of your life. You can't make your life all about you. That's a very selfish way to live. And I've never met a selfish person who was really at the end of the day happy with their life. I've, I've met a lot of people who were happy, but they were always giving to somebody else. They made life more than just about them. 
And you need to do that. You need to serve. Don't just work for the temporary. But the Bible says when you help the hurting, the hopeless, the hungry, the destitute, the blind, when you do for others that can't do for themselves, that you're actually laying up treasures in heaven. And I believe you're not only doing that, but you're also releasing God to pour some treasures back into your life here on the earth. So pray, serve. And then here's number three. Be a giver. Be a giver. Don't be stingy. You know, I was driving down the road the other day and a guy was holding a sign and says, basically, I work for food. And I'm like you, you know, I'm kind of skeptical of those people who do things like that. But I was riding with the guy who's very, very blessed. I mean, financially, he is just it would blow your mind if I told you how good God has been to this guy. He pulls over on the side of the road and he takes out a hundred dollar bill and he gives to this guy. And when we drove off, I said, man, I called his name. I said, man, I, I love you. You know, you and I are friends, but you really need to be careful with that because you don't know what they're going to do with the money. And here's what he said to me. He said, he said, Pastor, God's been so good to me. I used to be there. I used to be struggling like that. God's been so good to me. I don't care what they do with the money. I want to be a giver. What they do with the money is up to them. But what I do with the money, this heart of generosity uh, that I have is between me and God. And I believe God will bless me for being a giver. And I got to say, I believe this guy is blessed like he is because of his spirit of generosity that's on his life. Because I have watched him over and over and over again be a giver to hurting people. In fact, most people that I know that are great in life are great philanthropists. They're just givers. So watch this. Pray, serve, give. And then here's the last key, share. Share your life with somebody. Share the goodness of God with somebody. Tell other people your story. When you see people struggling, don't just leave them in the ditch. Come on, get down in the ditch with them. Grab them by the hand and tell them, you're going to make it through this because I've been here before. I've bought this t-shirt and I've, I've drunk this cup of coffee. And I'm telling you right now, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. No, it's not a train coming at you. There is hope at the end of the tunnel. You see, when you pray, when you serve, when you give, and when you share your life with people, you get this eternal perspective. And when you get this eternal perspective, frustration seems to leave, fatigue seems to leave, and this unfulfillment, this lack of contentment, this lack of peace in your life, it seems to leave. And the next thing you know, life just seems to make a little more sense. So if you're depressed today, if you're discouraged today, if you're down and out and you feel like giving up, you feel like throwing in the towel, don't do it. Don't do it. Life, listen, it's not worth that. There is something better that you can do. I know you're frustrated. I know you're fatigued. I know that you don't have peace and things are going on in your life, but you need to remember you're the head and you're not the tail. You're the victor. You are not the victim. Come on. You are above, you are not beneath. And the Bible says that if you'll do these things, God will bless everything that your hand touches. So I just want to release hope into your life today to tell you that the best of your life is the rest of your life. It's not behind you, it is in front of you. So you go and you chase your ideal life and don't let this world's trouble tell you that you're not going to be a winner because you already are a winner. Hey, thanks for joining me today on The Ideal Life. Until next time, I'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us today for The Ideal Life Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time.